You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Putinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynf. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media channels. That includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even YouTube. And you can check those all out at Herd and 10 This is an exciting week because Bills win, Bills win, Bills win. Man, I love saying that. It feels good when the Bills have a win. The Bills moved to 8-3, stumping the Los Angeles Chargers and sending them to a poor 3-8 record. What a win for the Bills. A really wild game. Most people are calling it a slop fest, and I think that it was a little bit of that. It was certainly a sloppy game. It was certainly not a particularly clean game not a particularly clean win but look a win nonetheless I want to get into this game and talk specifically about what exactly happened in this win so the Bills won 27 to 17 which sounds like a pretty good win it's not the statement win that I said that they would have which was 37 to 17 that was my prediction on last week's episode so it wasn't quite that but it was still a big win and and the game although it was a 10 point game to be honest it felt a little closer than that so it was far from that statement win but it was a win I want to look specifically right now at the quarterbacks because coming into this game I talked about with the previous guest with with Danielle about the fact that Josh Allen and the Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert who is a rookie have a lot of similarities. They're both big quarterbacks with big arms who are also quite mobile. And in this game we did see some similarities. I would say both players did not have a particularly impressive game. But unfortunately, I feel like coming out of that game, if someone came up to me and said to me that Josh Allen was the rookie here and Justin Herbert was the veteran, I would believe that. I guess my point there, what I'm trying to say is that Allen didn't have a bad game and I don't think Herbert had a bad game either. And I, and and this isn't really specific to the stats, it's more so with the eyeball test. If you watched that game, 
you could see that there was a comfort level for Justin Herbert in the pocket that Josh Allen just didn't have in this particular game. There was a scenario where they both fumbled a snap and they had two very different outcomes. In one of them, you had Justin Herbert where it was early in the game. He fumbled a snap and he confidently and casually picked up the ball made a nice throw on a on a crossing route and hit the guy and they got 7 to 10 yards. He looked really calm, he made it look easy. Josh Allen on the other hand later in the game had a similar situation, but he didn't pick up the ball casually. He fumbled around with it more than once and ended up actually losing the ball and fumbling it. And he just didn't look calm. He didn't look collected. It's it's not something that that I have become accustomed to with Josh Allen. He tends to be really confident and really loose and really comfortable. To me, he just didn't look quite that way in this game. And that's why I come back to what I said at the beginning, which is if I didn't know who these players were, I wouldn't be surprised if someone told me that Herbert was the veteran and Allen was the rookie. Yes, Allen got the win. Allen did what he needed to do. He didn't have a bad game. But I'm just trying to say he did look unpoised at times. He did look nervous at times. And in my opinion, Justin Herbert looked really calm and really poised for most of the game. Now, Justin Herbert was really inaccurate. He went 31 for 52. And if you watched this game, you saw he had a lot of really poor throws to open receivers where he'd throw it in the dirt or way over their head, he really didn't look good. He really didn't. But again, he did look calm. He did look collected. In the end, it really comes down to who won. And the Bills won. Allen found a way to win. And that should really be the lesson from this game. That should be the key takeaway from this game is that Josh Allen is a winner. He doesn't always look great. He doesn't always win clean. He doesn't always make amazing plays. And he certainly sometimes makes boneheaded plays. Perfect example, the interception he threw. He just chucked it down the field, didn't look, threw it into double coverage, easy interception. And it was stupid. It was a bad play. And I'm sure he would love to have that play back. And maybe a few others, including the fumble. But... What's important is that when the game is on the line, when Allen is given an opportunity to win the game and solidify a win, he does it. He is a winner. Forget about the stats for a moment. Forget about the fact that he went 18 for 24, which is pretty damn good, but only 157 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and we know the fumble. But forget about all of that because those stats really don't matter. What matters is he came through in the clutch. When we needed him to make a big play, he did. When we needed him to run a touchdown in, he did. When we needed him to throw a touchdown, he did it. So it's, it's great to look at the stats. It's great to spend time analyzing every single statistic involved in this game and how Josh Allen threw down the field or shorts or how many interceptions he threw and how many touchdowns. But in the end, none of that really matters. What matters is, is Allen won the game. The Bills won the game. And that, to me, 
should be the key takeaway from this one. And it takes us to our segment, which is weekly wins and lazy losses. This segment is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But they now also offer products for other parts of your body. I want to tell you a little bit about Manscaped's latest product, the new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. If you buy this product using the promo code Herd and 10, that's H-E-R-D-A-N-D-T-E-N, you will receive 20% off and free shipping on your order. So please visit manscaped.com and when you go to purchase an item and hit checkout, include the promo code Herd and 10 and get 20% off and free shipping for your entire order. So get the new Weed Whacker and or the lawnmower 3.0 and make your balls a priority this fall for weekly wins. The Bills need to stop the run. The San Francisco 49ers do not have a great passing game. They have a backup quarterback in Nick Mullins and they're really a run focused team. If you can stop the run, if you can really penetrate and stop that run before it gets to the secondary, before they get a chance to get going, that's how you can beat the San Francisco 49ers. It's really going to be an interesting one because the Bills have struggled against the run. So if they can find a way to stop the run, they can certainly win this game. I also think they need to push the ball down the field. The Bills need to find a way to put pressure on the 49ers early on in this game. It's a road game in prime time. Now, thankfully, it's not at the 49ers home stadium. It's actually going to be in Arizona at the Cardinals home stadium due to some uh, pandemic-related restrictions in the county um, where the 49ers play, which I believe is Santa Clara County. And anyways, the point here is both teams are kind of on the road, but we know the Bills are traveling the West Coast. That's always difficult. This is also going to be a primetime Monday night matchup, so it's definitely not going to be an easy one. But what's important here is that if you don't, well, you need to put pressure. If you don't put pressure and you're in Another team stadium, you're on the road, you're in prime time, it's really going to make it difficult. You need to get on them quickly and place severe pressure on them and their offense. Force their offense to compete with you because the main part of their team is their defense. So if you can find a way to score early and often, you could have a really good chance. And I think the best way for the Bills to do that is to push the ball down the field. Let Josh Allen cook. For lazy losses. We only have one lazy loss here. I think that if the Bills allow this game to be close, if they keep it tight, if they allow the San Francisco 49ers defense predict this game, if they allow them to force the Bills into situations that they don't want to be in, I think the Bills could certainly lose this game. Coming into this game, the 49ers have kind of been bouncing around. It's hard to know where they're at. They've, they've lost to 
bad teams. They've beaten good teams. They're obviously coming off of a big win this past week. It's going to be an interesting game, and it certainly doesn't help that the Bills have to travel across the country. But if this game is close, if the Bills offense can't get going early on, I definitely could see them losing this game because the 49ers are going to want this to be a close, low-scoring game, and that's really not where the Bills want to be. So if the Bills can't get going, if this is a tight game, it's definitely not going to be in the Bills' favor. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back in just a short moment to talk a little bit more about the Bills' upcoming matchup against the 49ers. Bills' season is here, but tailgates will have to wait. But there is a new way to connect with your Bills Mafia and other sports fans. Let me tell you about this new app called Playing the Field. Playing the Field is a dating and community app made exclusively for sports fans. By playing the field, you can connect with sports fans for any reason you want. Want to find a friend that won't ask questions when you say you need a table? Someone to go to a game with or just grab a few beers and wings? Need an extra player for your weekly hockey game? Playing the field also helps you find your MVP by offering a dating app that removes the inconvenience of having to scroll through multiple profiles just to find a sports fan. Playing the Field is available on the web at playthefielddating.com and will have iOS and Android versions later this season. Playing the Field is founded by a member of the Bills Mafia, so you will also be supporting one of your own. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on Playing the Field and their podcast, The Fan Experience. I want to take a look at the 49ers because we're going to get more into this later on in the episode when we talk with CBS Sports NFL analyst Chris Trapasso. He is full of great knowledge and we have a great chat about the Bills upcoming game against the 49ers. But before we get to that, I just want to spend a little time to talk about what the 49ers did last week and how that could potentially impact the Bills this week. When you look at the 49ers game last week, they won a nail-biter 23-20 to against the Los Angeles Rams. We know the Bills can beat the Rams. Now we know the 49ers can also beat the Rams. What's interesting is the way that each of us beat the Rams. It's relevant because when you look at how the 49ers beat the Rams, it's stopping the offense, shutting down the Rams offense, and then playing simple, basic football and just getting enough points to win. Certainly not getting into a shootout. And... I personally did not see that coming. I thought the Rams were locked and loaded for a win against the 49ers. And it definitely concerns me with this game. It makes me more concerned that the 49ers are better than we expect them to be. That they're better than a lot of analysts give them respect for. And it's something that the Bills fans need to be concerned about. 
I'm concerned, and I think you all should be concerned as well because the way the 49ers won that game is very different than the way the Bills beat the Rams. The Bills beat the Rams by just having an explosive offense and putting up so many points that they made it practically impossible for the Rams to come back. But I just, I when I watched, when I saw that game, it was clear to me that the 49ers have a really good defense, even with the injuries they've had. They still have a good defense. They have a really fast defense. They have a physical and violent defense. And it's a defense that is certainly going to mix things up and try to confuse Josh Allen. We've seen this in the past where some teams have seen success against confusing Josh Allen. We saw this with the Tennessee Titans. They're, They're the best example of this. They found a way to play a mix of different zones, and it worked, and it confused Josh Allen. I think that the 49ers could try to do something like that against Josh Allen and the Bills, and it could work because if they can stop Allen, if they can just slow him down, you know, keep him to 200 yards and a touchdown or two, the 49ers could beat the Bills here, and I think that that's something that, you know, we really need to own in, hone in on because Allen is the answer to our problems. If Josh Allen doesn't have a good game, we will likely lose. The Bills are going to beat the 49ers by playing good offense and solid defense. The Bills, as we know, do not have a particularly strong defense this year. But if their defense can hold up a little bit, if they can get some pressure on Nick Mullins, I think that could give them a better chance to win this game. It's going to be a tougher matchup than I think most people realize. I think that most people think the Bills are a big favorite, but I honestly don't feel that way. I think this could be a really interesting and potentially surprising loss for the Bills. I hope that's not going to happen. I really do. But I just, I watched the way the 49ers played that last game, and there's just something unique about it that it just seems like they could potentially beat the Bills. I hope that's not going to happen. But I honestly think it's possible. Before we go, I just want to say, please stick around because after this quick break, we're going to be talking to Chris Trapasso. If you don't know who Chris Trapasso is, he's an NFL analyst for CBS Sports. He's really knowledgeable and I'm, it's really great to have a guy like that on this show. So please stick around. We're going to have a break now, and we're actually going to talk about something really cool, which is a brand new game that you can get your hands on. It makes every football game more exciting, and it's called The Drive. So please stick around as I have a quick chat with the founder of the game, The Drive. Thanks. Hello, fellow sports fans. We have an exciting product to bring to you today. It's called The Drive. It's a really exciting game. It's specific to football. And I actually have the founder on to talk a little bit more about what this game is and why it was created and why you should play it. So I'll start with 
the founder was Dan. And so, Dan, how did you actually come up with this game? Hey, thanks a lot, Jake, and uh, thanks a lot for having me. It's been a long history of uh, being a uh, very avid sports fan, watching all sports, and wanting to have action on whether it be uh, a basketball game, a football game, a baseball game. But everyone seems to be a bigger fan when they have a little money running in their favor, or at least during the game. And so what I developed was a card game where when you're sitting around at home and you're watching a football game, I developed some cards that you can now deal out like a poker game and everyone antes into a cup and you can choose whether you're going to play for a dollar a drive or five dollars or ten dollars a drive but it's a really fun way to watch the game with between three and ten people and you get a card at the beginning of the drive and you watch the game and whatever happens on the drive if you're holding that card you're the winner of all the money so it's a lot of fun it's like poker watching a football game it sounds like an incredible product i know i'm going to be using this especially when i can play with my friends or my family it's really cool because it essentially provides that excitement in every single drive it brings that gambling thrill in every single drive so for those of you who are interested go to playthedrive.com that's the best way to find it it should also be noted that this is actually created by stadium games and they're going to be coming out with some new incredible product dan maybe you want to mention a couple of those so that our listeners know that this isn't just for football you have games for all sorts of sports yeah thanks again that it all goes back to everyone wanting to not only see the game but to have some action go into a baseball game finish a, a soda or a beer you put a dollar in the cup and if the batter hits a home run everyone gets the money in the cup well that's the kind of little backyard game that I've been playing with my friends all along. And I went ahead and I developed uh, the drive. It's a social game and everyone likes taking money from their friends and relatives, especially if you don't have to make a prediction. And Jake, I'll just mention this. One of my relatives, she apologized profusely that she's never watched football before and she doesn't know the rules. Well, all we do is deal the cards. She put a couple of dollars in the cup, and in the first quarter of the Detroit Lion Thanksgiving game, she had won $40 from all of her cousins and relatives. It was really great. You don't need to know the rules of the game. All you need to do is put money in a cup, get your card, and if something happens in the game that's on your card, you win. So it's for everyone. Such a great concept, and it's something that literally anyone can play. Like you said, you don't have to have prior knowledge. You don't have to be a football expert. All you have to do is put a couple dollars in the cup, and you have a chance to win. So again, 
if you want to go and get this product and you probably should if you want to make games more exciting go to playthedrive.com and you can get yours play today too also when you go to their website you will see that there's not just the original green and yellow version there's also the perfect version for all of you buffalo bills fans out there they have the all american version that's right it's red white and blue so go and get yours today Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. And as mentioned previously, we have an exciting guest on today, Chris Trapasso. I was talking about it in the earlier segment. Really excited to have you here, Chris. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you? I should mention you do work for CBS Sports. You're an NFL draft and young NFL player analyst. So you're essentially an NFL analyst. Um, I'll let you give our listeners a little bit about you, where they can find you, that kind of thing. Well, first off, Jake, thanks for having me. And that was quite the intro. Uh, I love coming on, being a West New York guy, born and raised here, still live here. Like anytime anyone reaches out to me and I see the word play that it's a Bills podcast, I'm coming on. So Thanks for having me. And people can find me mostly on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. I've tried to keep it easy for people to find me. And then cbssports.com slash NFL slash draft. Not a lot of my stuff right now is being like featured on just cbssports.com on the main page at the top. But come draft season, a lot of those articles will be up there. Um, but if you want to specifically just see draft stuff and occasionally a sprinkling of the young player analysis that I do does show up on the CBS sports homepage. But if you want to get specific CBS sports slash NFL slash draft. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome to have someone who's specifically focused on the draft and young players. Obviously the bills have a lot of those right now. And there's some surprises, right? Josh Allen has become uh, potentially an elite quarterback at this point. And I don't think a lot of people expected that. I want to jump straight into the game that the Bills have coming, which is against the San Francisco 49ers. What kind of expectations do you have for the game? Of course, it should be noted. The game is being played in Arizona. Of course, as a Bills fan, that was a tough loss for me to to take. I'm sure our listeners and I'm sure for you as well. So do we have any expectations about it being anything like the Cardinals game? Because I hope not. Well, the Bills get stadium revenge. I saw that on Twitter the other night or, or yesterday when it was announced or earlier this week. Uh, so that's good. And the fact that so many weird NFL occurrences have happened in that stadium, the David Tyree catch, uh, the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl, that ridiculous Hail Mary the other week. Uh, so maybe we'll see another crazy play and, and hopefully for the Bills and their fans, uh, it won't be going against the Bills uh, this time around. My expectations for the game are that it's going to be pretty low scoring. Uh, I think if you watch how this Bills team has kind of matured throughout the season, how they've progressed, uh, it was the offense completely carrying the team in the first four weeks, maybe the first six weeks of the season. But in the last five or six weeks, I think the defense has played pretty well that against the Seahawks and against the Cardinals, despite giving up a fair amount of points in both of those games, I thought the defense played better than the amount of points that they surrendered. Like 
giving up 34 points against the Seahawks, it felt like the Bills were dominant in that game because of the turnovers. They did a pretty good job until that Hail Mary, keeping DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray under wraps. And I thought they did a great job against Justin Herbert, who was, you know, a front runner for the offensive rookie of the year and probably still is, looked very uncomfortable throughout that entire game. Had some garbage stats late, had another Hail Mary completed. Um, so I think it's going to be low scoring because I think the 49ers have a good defense. Not having Nick Bosa is huge, and I think it, it makes them beatable. But it's interesting for the Bills that they're coming off a game where they just played probably the best three and seven team in the league. And I think right now with the 49ers at five and six, they're the best five and six team in the NFL. We know all the injuries, like I mentioned, Nick Bosa, George Kittle's been out. Jimmy Garoppolo probably is not going to start against the bills. Richard Sherman just came back. They're running back. Raheem Mostert just came back. Um, but I think not having that Nick Bosa element makes it, go from an elite defense to just a good defense. And the fact that the 49ers have to start their backup, Nick Mullins, who hasn't been very good, even though they've won a couple games of late, uh, it's been despite him. I think we're in for a low scoring game. I haven't seen what the over underline is said. I'm not a big gambling guy myself, but you can kind of get a sense of what Vegas, how Vegas feels about uh, the game script and just how it's going to end up. So I think it's going to be low scoring. The Bills defense has gotten healthier. We don't know if Matt Milano is going to play yet. But even if he doesn't, they're deploying A.J. Klein a lot better in what suits his strengths, blitzing close to the line of scrimmage, almost in that Lorenzo Alexander role, where they're not asking him to cover a bunch and get sideline to sideline, play close to the line, be aggressive. He's a bigger linebacker. Um, so I think with him, the healthy secondary, and the defensive line's playing better. Beyond Jerry Hughes, I think A.J. Epinesa, stepping in for Trent Murphy, uh, was big last week. I thought he played very well. And just the rotation with Justin Zimmer and Ed Oliver playing well, I think we're in for a, a we'll call it an old school Bills game that could be somewhere like 20 to 17. We'll give our score predictions later, but I, I think a lower scoring game against two teams that are not elite defenses, but they're very well-rounded, good defensive lines, good linebackers, and good secondaries. Yeah, I think you bring up a few good points there. I want to mention that, AJ Klein and what he has become. It seems like he's finally comfortable in this defense and more so the defensive coordinator has figured out what AJ Klein can do and what he can't do. And it seems like he's really good at getting pressure. He's getting better at tackling, which he struggled early on, but for sure asking him running sideline to sideline is clearly not his forte it's clearly not what he's really there to do and it seems like they've finally figured out how to utilize him which is nice because missing Matt Milano and I've been saying this for a while I felt like without Matt Milano this defense was bad but I don't think that's the case anymore I think that this defense has adapted and adjusted to what they have on the field and it's clearly showing up every single week it's clearly getting better and you talk also about Epinesa Epinesa's looked a lot better. Obviously, his snaps were limited. It seems like he's getting an increased load, and it's really changing stuff up, and I think it's making a big difference in the defense. I think you were going to mention something else there, Chris. Yeah, that I think it's been a ripple effect with A.J. Klein, that you make a great point, that Leslie Frazier and probably Sean McDermott as well, they've 
watch the film over the first couple months of the season and then realize, okay, this is what he can't do. This is probably what he could do. So all the credit to them and certainly all the credit to AJ Klein for actually executing this kind of newer role. But I think the ripple effect of the secondary getting healthier where they can put out another safety, whether it be Dean Marlowe, whether it be using Jordan Poyer in the box or Taron Johnson in the box, um, and not asking A.J. Klein to be in this Matt Milano role that has to cover tight ends and running backs. I think when the secondary was depleted, along with Matt Milano being injured, the Bills just didn't have the numbers that they said, hey, look, we can't roll out any more defensive backs. They were down to practice squad players, uh, and so they needed A.J. Klein to do a lot more things. Matt Milano does so much on the football field that I don't think AJ Klein is capable of doing that. That doesn't mean that AJ Klein can't be a valuable member of this team. So Sunday getting that full secondary back, uh, I think allowed the bills to kind of play the type of defense and use AJ Klein, probably how they envisioned him that I think they initially plugged him in and said, all right, you got to take over all the responsibilities from Matt Milano, but now it's like, okay, they, they can rotate and, change personnel in terms of their defensive backs that obviously are going to handle more coverage responsibilities to allow AJ Klein to play that Lorenzo Alexander role. And he's played it fantastically over the last three or four games. Klein's really, really played well. It's, it's amazing. Like to go from playing bad football to playing great football, except maybe he wasn't playing bad football. Maybe he was just being asked to do things that he's not really able to do and you mentioned it right he wasn't brought in for that he was brought in as the third linebacker he was never brought in to be playing this number of snaps he was never brought in to be a second linebacker taking on these types of roles but he's actually done a half decent job and more importantly now he's really getting into that proper spot like you talk about with the secondary getting healthy with them running a lot more nickel packages and, and helping him they've allowed him to play what he should be playing which is really that lorenzo alexander kind of a hybrid linebacker defensive end type position i want to talk about tredavious white he had an excellent interception late in the game but really prior to that i personally saw some struggles there certainly stuff that we are not accustomed to seeing when we watch trey white we generally don't see teams targeting him they generally stay away from him but I feel like in this last game we saw a little more targets going towards Trey White I know Guyton had a nice catch against him there were a couple different plays I believe Mike Williams had a nice catch granted Trey White's defensive positioning was really good but he's certainly giving up a little more than what he had given up last season are you concerned at all with this do you think that teams are seeing something there that they weren't seeing last season? Or am I just looking at one game and, and maybe he just didn't have his brightest game this season? No, I don't think you're wrong to ask that question. I think it's a good question because by making an all-pro team, the standard is elevated for, for any player. So for Tredavious White, after you earn that all-pro honor, and I think everyone would agree that he deserved it last season, one of the top two or three cornerbacks in the league, you're expecting that shutdown play to continue into the next season. I don't think he's played as well as his all pro season last year, which is fine. I still think he's one of the top five to seven cornerbacks in the league. So he's maybe not played up to as well as he did last year, but he's still very good. And your point that I noticed as well about a lot of the 
receptions that he's given up, especially lately and particularly on Sunday, were ridiculous throws, great catches uh, from Keenan Allen, from Mike Williams, who's an amazing high pointer. If Trey White was getting burnt down the field or was completely out of the frame when a lot of these catches were happening, then I think that there would be reason for concern. I think Trey White from his ability in zone, like on the interception and the ability in man that I don't think he gets enough credit for to be scheme versatile, that they can use different coverages with him uh, throughout the course of the game. I think that's extremely valuable. So yeah, there might be a slight dip in his play this season. And I, I do think playing better quarterbacks this year than what the bills played last year has kind of played into that. And I think a lot of these quarterbacks and offensive coordinators are saying, Hey, we're going to, use Justin Herbert and throw it to Keenan Allen. And we are as the Seahawks going to let Russell Wilson throw it to DK Metcalf, regardless of who the cornerback is. So I think that's all factoring into why we're seeing more output that Tredavious White is allowing, but I just, it's hard to find impactful reception that he's allowing where he's completely thrown off the frame that you can't even see him on the screen. So I think his coverage has been good. And at times in the NFL, receivers are just going to make really nice catches, and a lot of quarterbacks are going to make good throws. Yeah, no one's perfect. And you talk about as long as there's nothing crazy where he's getting burned, like we used to see with Stefan Gilmore, who is somehow still considered to be one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I don't know. I don't necessarily feel he is shaking your head. You might have some doubts too. We've seen Stefan Gilmore get burned on 50, 60 yard bombs. You don't see that against Tredavious White. And I like that point you bring up. I didn't even think about that, but really the, the quarterbacks play a huge part. The Bills schedule last season was much easier than this season like you said maybe it's not surprising that he has given up some but he really hasn't given up anything incredible there's been some big catches but he's always been there he's never been out of the frame as as you said so it's a good point I just I figured it's something worth at least mentioning just because maybe he hasn't been like that all pro that we saw last season moving on we mentioned this earlier but the Bills are going to be playing in Arizona in that crazy stadium. Does that impact and maybe give the Bills an advantage because the 49ers are not playing in their home field that they also have to travel? Yes, they don't have to travel nearly as far, but it's still not their home field. So do you think that that would have an impact? I know that the, the spread so far has the Bills at two and a half. So they're expected to win by, we'll say, a field goal or so. Do you think that that's played a part in it? Or do we just think the Bills are a favorite in general? Well, I certainly think that the 49ers uh, are at somewhat of a disadvantage here to have a home game where they're not at home. Obviously, with this season, we're not really dealing with fan noise, crowd noise, anything like that. But the fact that the 49ers, a day or two before that game, have to board a plane and travel and they're staying away from their families, it's not the normal routine that you always hear that players love when they just spend one night in the hotel before the game. And that's it. Uh, I think that puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage. I do think top to bottom, the bills are probably a better team and that's probably factoring into the spread. But if this was in San Francisco, I think you would see closer to a pick em game uh, instead of the bills being two and a half point favorites. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. You got to figure there's got to be some impact there. And yeah, this is an interesting game at two and a half. That's it's a tight game. And this is the Bills on the road, 
of course, we've seen San Fran have ups and downs. They seem to be trending upwards. You spoke about it earlier. They're getting healthier. Richard Sherman's come back. They've looked a little bit better. Raheem Mostert, as their running back, has come back. So they're clearly getting stronger. And that's going to make this game definitely more interesting. It's fun that it's a, a primetime game. I also think that could potentially have an impact. I personally think the Bills are best when they're playing at 1 p.m., where they're most comfortable. I think that there, there is some impact there. And that gets to what we need to talk about next, which is the Bills defense stopping the 49ers run game because that's really the best part of their game. That's their bread and butter. It's been their bread and butter for the last few years, even with Jimmy Garoppolo in. The main focus of their offense was always the run game. The question is, can the Bills defense finally lock down the run game and force a mediocre quarterback like Nick Mullins to have to throw the ball down the field and really fit the ball into places that he maybe doesn't want to have to fit it into. Yeah, that's going to be the key. I think uh, if this game does go in the Bills' favor, it will be because the Bills did something to halt or to limit what the 49ers do on the ground. Kyle Shanahan, I think, is probably the best play caller, play designer in the league. And he's running that zone blocking scheme, stretch run to the right, stretch run to the left, play action offense like Sean McVay. Uh, if the run game isn't really rolling for them, even when it has been Jimmy Garoppolo, then they run into problems and that they could have a strong defensive outing. But I think the Bills have enough offensive, uh, offensive firepower to win a low scoring game. If, if the 49ers cannot run the football. Uh, so I think the bills over the last few weeks, when earlier in the season, the run game was or the run defense was not very good. It's encouraging that of late and especially last week, only allowing 3.2 yards per carry uh, to Austin Eckler and his return. And that whole chargers team was a sign or, or you know, a, uh, the arrow pointing up for this Bills run defense. I think AJ Klein's a big par uh, part of that. Like we mentioned, AJ Epinesa, the rotation up front. And I think Tremaine Edmonds has played a lot better. That's always been the thing with him, reading his keys and diagnosing what's in front of him. That you watch the film and you see Matt Milano recognizing things a split second ahead of Tremaine Edmonds. I think maybe it's along with his shoulder getting more healthy or just playing more football. He's still young. I think over the last month too, he's seeing things a tick faster and that's helping. So I feel a lot better if I'm the Bills over the past couple of weeks, what they've been able to do uh, stopping the run, facing a team that wants to run it 30, 35 times to kind of protect its quarterback. Because if Nick Mullins is getting in third and seven plus all game, then I think the Bills are going to win. Yeah, and I like that take on Tremaine Edmonds because he had a tough start to the season but certainly getting healthy, he seems to be more confident. It's not even just with reading defenses, which he seems to be doing a little bit better. His instincts seem to be improving, but he seems to be a little more fluid. The way he's tackling just looks more fluid. He was struggling with tackling. It almost looked like he was shying away at times. And we just thankfully haven't seen that the last, I would say, two, three weeks. He's certainly looked better. His tackling numbers are going up. And there's no question that he's getting better and seems to be having a better control and understanding of this defense this season because it's not 
exactly the same defense as last season. And although a lot of us thought it would be, it clearly isn't because yes, a lot of players came back, but you have new faces and teams are going to go after your defense in different ways and you have to be able to adjust. That's been a huge sticking point all season with this team and is the adjustments, is the struggles with adjustments in the second half. But it seems like they're finally getting to the point where they're more comfortable and they're certainly more comfortable with adjusting and adapting. Chris, I think you wanted to mention something. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to just jump in here with is that the adjustments that last year and during this Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier era on the defensive side, the Bills have been a team that has not really liked to blitz too much. They like to rush for, occasionally send a fifth, but most of the time rush for and play coverage behind it, mostly zone. They've adjusted this year when they've, played some of these better quarterbacks and last week facing a rookie in Justin Herbert dialing up the blitz. They blitz Russell Wilson over half the times that he dropped back. They blitz Justin Herbert 44% of the time. Those are like Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steeler type percentages in terms of blitzing. And I think they're feeling as a group and as play callers more confident in AJ Klein and Tremaine Edmonds, two big linebackers that I agree with you are playing with more confidence. I think Tremaine Edmonds shoulder is healthy now. Maybe that was leading to him not being as sure of a tackler or just sure of himself on the football field. So I think this would be another game when you're facing a relatively inexperienced backup quarterback that if the bills need to adjust and say, Hey, we're going to continue, even though we haven't really liked blitzing, this is another uh, kind of advantageous game for us to blitz a lot that if we get third and five plus let's bring one or two extra players with the secondary healthy. I think Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier feel a lot more comfortable doing that. So it's been fun. I mean, we could talk about the offense, how they've become kind of a matchup offense, which I think is really what Brian Dable took from new England that you don't just have one identity and that's what you roll with every week. And I think that's what's helped the bills win last week and against the Patriots, but on defense, they can play, coverage and they can say hey look this quarterback's great against the blitz let's only blitz Patrick Mahomes one time which is what they did in that Chiefs game and for as bad as the Bills were and whatever they were one touchdown they were in a one score game in the rain Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill didn't have a long connection uh and then let's morph it into let's blitzing a lot like let's blitz Russell Wilson a lot let's blitz Justin Herbert so I think that's what the Bills need to do in this game to not let Nick Mullins be comfortable inside the pocket. And I think what we're learning here is that Sean McDermott is an adaptable coach. He is willing to adapt. He's willing to change. The bills have gone from a heavy run team to a heavy passing team in just a season. That's a big change to make. Really. When you look at it as a whole, this team has shown that they are an adaptable team. And I think that that's something we all need to take and be confident in is that the Bills can adapt depending on the team they're playing. And it's going to come into uh, fruition, hopefully, when the Bills enter the playoffs because there's a few different teams that they could play against in the playoffs in the first round. And those teams are all drastically different from each other. So I think it's going to be something that hopefully will benefit this team in the long run. The final thing I want to talk about is, and you mentioned it earlier, score predictions. This is an interesting game. I'll, I'll let you go first. 
And as I said, the, the spread two and a half, it's certainly a close game. It's obviously on the road across the country. So what's your prediction, Chris? I don't have the, the best feeling about this game for the Bills because like you mentioned and that we've talked about, the 49ers getting a lot healthier. If Matt Milano plays, I think that changes things. But I think the way that they've handled Matt Milano's injury, putting him on IR, John Brown as well, I think a lot of Bills fans understand that they're kind of gearing up for the playoffs, that uh, early December game against an NFC opponent is not going to make or break the season, that you want to be as healthy as possible in January uh, for the postseason. But I think this will be a game where we really see, because this is kind of obvious, but I think we'll really see the impact that the difference in quality a quarterback can make that I, I don't think Josh Allen's going to throw for 400 yards. I don't think Nick Mullins is going to have five interceptions, but I think it's going to be low scoring. And in the end, Josh Allen is not just going to make one more, but two or three or four more plays than Nick Mullins late. I think 17, 13 bills. Again, the bills are going to load up to stop the run and then blitz Nick Mullins in those third and long situations. And I don't expect an explosive offensive performance, but just enough from this offense and Josh Allen, Cole Beasley, maybe even some more Dawson Knox and that running game that we saw get going against uh, the Chargers in week 12, leading the Bills to a four-point win. I would like to see that type of an outcome. Honestly, we've become so used to seeing the Bills put up big points and get in shootouts. It would be nice to see that change of pace. It would be nice to see the Bills really tighten up and get mm-hmm. a win like a 17 to 13. I don't think my prediction's super different. I have the Bills winning 24 to 21, a little more points on the board. I just think that those points are probably going to come later in the game. It's not going to be early on. I talked about it earlier in the show that I really think the Bills need to have a quick start to this game, especially because they're on the road. But honestly, I do think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be somewhere in between where we're talking about. It's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. And like you said, it's probably going to be the difference between quarterbacks. Allen's maybe going to make a handful of plays that are just better than what Nick Mullins makes. Maybe a handful less mistakes. Hopefully avoiding some of those mistakes he made against the Chargers. I'd love to see him clean that up. I want to see the Bills play a little bit of a cleaner, more fundamental game than what we saw against the Chargers. And I think that that would be ideal. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Great to have a Western New Yorker on, big Bills fan. So you you obviously know, know your stuff on the Bills, but for sure would love to have you on again, especially in the off season to talk NFL draft. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think our listeners would love it. So Thank you so much, Chris, and go Bills. Jake, thanks for having me. And yeah, why don't I come on again, like as we get into the stretch run here, or maybe even before the playoffs. That was always what's been so fun, like the last two times that the Bills have been in the playoffs, that like I get a ton of like radio and podcast requests. And it's like, wow, I'm actually talking about the Bills in a playoff game for the basically the first time in my life. I mean, I'm 32, but and I vaguely remember the Super Bowl run and, and that – I remember being like 11 or 12 and telling my, or asking my dad why the bills weren't in the playoffs every year. Cause being a kid, it was just, they were in the playoffs. They're 11 and five every year or better. And I'm ready for a playoff game. And then we had a 17 year playoff drought here in Buffalo. So it's been a lot of fun. So we don't even have to wait 
all the way until the draft. In the next couple of weeks, or as we are preparing uh, to kind of analyze a Bills playoff game, I'll certainly jump back on. Definitely. No, would, would love to have you on and, and talk more Bills. And yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Bills fan. I've said this before, having playoffs around the corner every year, this, I could get used to this. Yeah, I think the Bills fans deserve it too after the 17 seasons of not only not making the playoffs, but never really bottoming out. Like always having like from pick eight to pick like 15 to miss out on however many quarterbacks they missed out on to have leadership that's interlocked with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean uh, and a clear direction for this team. Just thinking of trusting the process like they always say that they snuck into the playoffs in 2017. They were a legitimate playoff team all last season. And now I think Bills fans can rightfully say that the goal for just the team itself and their fans is not to just get into the playoffs, not just win the AFC East, but win some games once the Bills get to the postseason. Definitely. Yeah, that's what we want to see. We want to see getting into the playoffs and then going through the playoffs. So again, Chris, we'll for sure have you on again. This was awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Jake. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast, a show about the Vancouver Canucks, but not just about the Canucks. Join myself and Ted Wong every single week for a seriously unserious chat about hockey, questionable food takes, we sprinkle in some dad jokes, and keep you updated on shows that ended well over 10 years ago, like Breaking Bad. Seriously, Ted, when are you going to be done watching that? We bring in guests on the regular, like former NHLers, head coaches, and even that guy that pulled off the Michigan. Yep. Mike Lake. Check out our cool swag on our Instagram and Twitter feeds. And if you're lucky, we might just give away the odd prize or two. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and on deanblundell.com slash podcast. And hopefully your headphones. It'll be the second best thing you do today. You know, after that cup of coffee.